Hello. Testing sound levels. Testing sound levels. Seeing if we can stay ahead of that music without having to sit on top of the microphone. See what we got for voice quality here. Seems like whenever I turn my head away from the mic a little bit, we lose a lot. And that's probably the limitation of the technology here. Test recording sound levels for Season 2, Episode 3 of The Baked and Awake Show. Welcome back to my returning listeners. Thank you guys for coming back again, time and time again. However much time you have to spend with us, whether you get to listen to the whole episode at regular speed and drink it all in, smoke with me. If you got to take it in little chunks here and there throughout your day, I know I listen to a lot of podcasts that way myself. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's the kind of cool thing about podcasts is you've got a you've got a friend in your pocket anytime who's ready to tell you a story. He's probably spent some time getting ready to tell you that story before they hit that record button. And they don't mind that you're in, you know, that they're in your pocket. That they gotta wait sometimes a little bit before you find that episode. I don't mind. I don't mind if you, you know, get around to listening to older episodes months down the line. That's great. It's great too. It's always interesting listening to different podcasts at different places on their, you know, journeys, their developments. Um, I still feel very much like our podcast here, my podcast here is very, you know, kind of DIY, you know, little little grassroots, kind of just getting, you know, getting our sea legs, getting things off the ground here. Episode 23, 24, maybe 25. This is, I think this is going to be episode 25. We finished season one with 22 episodes, so. Yeah. Anyway. Alright, so, uh, song is wrapping up. We're going to check sound levels and see if this is working or not, and who knows, maybe we'll just keep this and call it the opening. All right, we're back. And yeah, it sounded all right. So that's fine. A little bit of an informal opening there for us today. Um, As I said, this is season two, episode three, otherwise known as episode 25 of the Baked and Awake podcast. And we're recording on January 20th, 2018. Here in Seattle, Washington. And uh, it's a drizzly Saturday afternoon. Perfect for spending some time here with you and our podcast. So uh, I've wanted to briefly before we jump into the topics that we have for the day for the podcast today, um, I wanted to thank our friend, a friend of the show, Sean McCoy of the Come to the Table podcast for his wonderful five-star iTunes review. Thank you so much. Uh, For that matter, I'd also like to thank the 
wonderful folks over at the Minutia Men podcast, also who recently left a really thoughtful five-star review as well on iTunes. Um, Both of those podcasts are excellent podcasts. Uh, The Come to the Table podcast of Mr. McCoy and uh, the Minutia Men podcast. Very different. Couldn't be more different. Uh, I'll include links to both in the show notes along with our podcast of the week, which I'll share with you guys just a little bit later on here. We'll get to that in just a minute. Or, well, a few minutes. Uh, but thank you guys. And uh, everybody else, please, um, can't can't stress enough how useful, how helpful, how beneficial um, the positive iTunes reviews can be to a podcast in terms of making them visible and discoverable, uh, helping them eventually chart uh you know at at a certain level when you you start to get real you know heavy download numbers and you know thriving download numbers and you know you start to uh, pop up in your respective category i think we're in the entertainment category in itunes right now so probably pretty fierce competition and probably have a a lot of work to do before we begin to (laughs) ever rank (laughs) or chart anywhere but uh, thank you guys. Thank you for all the reviews that we've received, and please keep them coming. Uh, we love it, and it makes my day every time. Uh, also, briefly, please don't forget, check out our Tea Public shop. Um, it's baked and awake, one word, at teapublic.com. And uh, I've uploaded a whole bunch of cool designs for t shirts there um, in particular, but uh, many of these designs are also um, scaled and shaped and uh, morphed. Uh, appropriately to work on several other products that are also offered there and I've turned on and off certain you know products with different designs as they were appropriate or you know uh, were going to render nicely for the size and shape of the image that we were using the design so you know in some cases you won't see a phone case for a given design Um, in other cases you will Um, and yeah there's phone cases baked in awake phone cases it's crazy Um, I'm gonna pick one of those up very soon I've got a couple t-shirts so far uh, picked up some stickers we're very happy with those Uh, got a couple of ladies tees for my wife so far um, each of which was super cute on her Uh, so you know those are you know uh, even cooler than the men's tees honestly uh, most of the time Um, just in terms of the girls look better in them than we do right (laughs) um so uh, check it out. Uh, you know, it's a cool way to scoop something up that you have then, um, and you're supporting the show and spreading the word about the show. Uh, it's really cool. Um, it would be amazing to begin to see uh, some folks as they receive their uh, gear. Uh, you know, uh, show me that gear, model it on uh, social media, tag me in your posts, and, um, you know, let me know that you're checking out the show and enjoying it. Uh, that would rule so hard. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so let's see. So for today, I'm smoking on a uh, little bowl of flour. I've got my little elephant bowl that you guys have been seeing on Instagram lately, my little cheapy Rasta elephant bowl that came from a local rec shop uh, a while back. can't remember exactly the name of that shop. It was one of the tribal shops. Uh, anyway, out in Black Diamond area to look them up uh and what have i got in there i have an indica of course blackberry cream and uh this is from a really cool local company uh called from the soil and uh this is a yeah a cool strain that i've heard of before but have never smoked so i'm excited to try it out it's charting at like 18 percent um you know, with a one-tenth of a percent of CBD, you know, so negligible, you know, there. But um, that's all right. That's not what we're worried about today. We're just going to enjoy the flower. And I'm still nursing that Burnwell Keef that I scooped the other day at the bakery at the same time. So the bakery is the shop that I scooped them from down in South Seattle. Beautiful, beautiful shop inside. They were a long-time medical shop uh, before 502 was voted legal. Unfortunately, they're one of the... Um, ones that transitioned beautifully to a rec and medical shop now uh, under the 502 auspices. So um, if you're in South Seattle, the Soto slash Georgetown uh, area, and uh, you want to check out a beautiful shop, uh, cruise by the bakery and say hello to 
Alex and the team down there. Yeah, with that, I should probably puff a little puff of this bowl, and then we'll get into briefly some MJ news, um, after which point we will transition to the main topic of today's discussion, which is a couple of related stories, all of which have to do with the surveillance state that we live in here in 21st century North America, United States in particular. Um, and I don't know if there's so much of what we can do about it or anything else like that, so much as it's a heavy sigh. We'll talk about it, though. Just talk about it. Sit with it. Um, yeah, all right, let's, let's puff real quick. Elephant bowl. Mm. Getting some synesthesia on the palate and in my frontal lobe as I'm puffing on that. That's crazy. It's like I, it's like I felt the color or tasted the color purple somehow. Um, it was like I felt it enter my lungs that was weird i don't mean to get grandiose and aspirational um let's tr let's try it again see if it happens again <laughs> okay blackberry cream okay it is creamy i'm 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 coughing a little because I probably inhaled a little bit too aggressively, but you know, it happens. We're alright though, we're not harshed or anything like that. So, in the spirit of not continuously reporting nothing but crappy news about everything, like so many of our cherished news outlets you know seem to have to these days um our trusted intermediaries uh i mean you know i'm not here to give you stories about kim and kanye instead of the fucking real sh real scoop um not remotely uh but i'm happy to say that you know i found one story here that was uh, you know made me feel good when i read it and it is it is our um cannabis related story for the week here <clears throat> So, you know, we've got to look north for this good news. It's not, this is not <laughs> the United States per se, but I like it. It's, it's a sign of, I hope, things to come. Um, so this story is about Canada. So we got this from the CBC. Canadian Broadcasting Company, I believe. You know, CBC's, you know, they're, they're mainstream, like BBC. And it says here in their politics section, Trudeau says pot purchasers are funding gangs, organized crime, and must be charged. Now, <laughs> liberal government looks at options to erase criminal records for possessing pot, but not until it's legal. So, you know, it's a... Uh, <laughs> The subtitle is the hopeful part. The, the leading title is the sensational part. What else is new? This was just back on January 12th. Kathleen Harris from CBC News reports. As Canada moves to legalize cannabis, the liberal government is looking at ways to deal with people who have criminal records for possessing the drug. And uh, they're picking up this story from Reuters. Looks like. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canadians who buy pot are funding gangs and organized crime and will continue to be charged until marijuana is legal. The Liberal government is looking at ways to deal with the criminal records for possessing pot, but Trudeau said there will be no amnesty until after cannabis is legalized and controlled in July. Quote, we certainly know 
Certainly, we know, the current legislation is hurting Canadians and criminalizing Canadians who perhaps shouldn't be. But that is an engagement we will take once we have a legalized and controlled regime in place, not before. He told reporters after a two-day cabinet retreat in London, Ontario. Trudeau said the government's plan for marijuana is, quote, fundamentally about public health and safety. And until critical regulatory and security regimes are in place, it will be treated as an illegal product. Once again, quoting, We recognize that anyone who is currently purchasing marijuana is participating in illegal activity that is funding criminal organizations and street gangs. And therefore, we do not want to encourage in any way people to engage in that behavior until the law has changed, he said. Once the law is changed, we will of course reflect on fairness in a way that is responsible moving forward. The bill passed the House of Commons in November and is now in the Senate. Now, the article's not over yet. They go on. Possible pardons are on the way. Earlier today, Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale confirmed officials are examining, quote, all the legal implications for possible pardons or record suspensions for criminal records for cannabis. But he would not say how the government is likely to proceed. We're in the midst of a major change here. I know there is a real anxiety for a bit of play-by-play commentary, but I think the responsible thing to do is the analysis, see where the unfairness are, and take the appropriate steps to correct those problems. He told reporters in London, Ontario, where the Liberal cabinet is holding a winter retreat. He concluded, but we need to do it in an orderly way. So, they, really what this signals to me is, obviously, you know, we know, yeah, we know what, you know, the consequences are for people today, everywhere around the world, but let's confine our commentary anyway today to North America the United States, Canada. You know, a drug conviction can ruin your scholarship opportunities. A, a, a minor c- possession conviction can close opportunities for certain types of employment for people. Sometimes forever. Keep you out of fields like, I don't know, whether it's teaching or law enforcement or loads of others. Technical fields. Medical patients are penalized and stigmatized. People are driven to take risks that they never otherwise would to access the herb in illegal markets, often leading to, you know, lifelong consequences that that come from run-ins with law enforcement situations like that for for cannabis folks you know so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that you know the point is is that uh, these folks the Canadian government who we're talking about here the folks involved in the uh, you know implementation of illegal cannabis market in their country uh, regime as they call it refer to it there uh they want to figure out a path for rehabilitating and, you know, really saving people's lives, restoring, restoring people's lives, restoring people's reputations, restoring people's futures, giving them a chance to, you know, take resume their place in society again. Um, so, you know, they they talk a little bit further there uh, at the very end about you know how this supports rehabilitation and crime prevention as well um, they, they talk a little bit uh, about you know one way this could work um, this is um, a spokesperson for uh, Mr. Goodale Scott Bardsley uh, he I don't know if he's positing this as a possibility or what have you but he says said anyone convicted of simple possession of up to 30 grams can apply for a record suspension through the parole board of Canada 
five years after the suspension or the sentence, excuse me, is completed. So they also say the government is now in the process of reforming the pardon system based on evidence-based criminal justice policies that support rehabilitation and crime prevention. He acknowledged pardons can be a significant barrier to employment because some positions require criminal record checks. I guess what they might be referring to there is if you're pardoned, a lot of times, I think almost entirely, the the sort of implied understood proviso of, of a pardon is that you admit guilt um, for whatever it was you were being pardoned for. So whatever the uh, social consequences of that may be may still be something left to surmount, but it's certainly got to be better than the alternative. Um you know, which we're all too aware of and see continuously all the time now with, you know, uh, otherwise rehabilitated, convicted, nonviolent drug offenders, many of them felons uh, who, you know, have lifelong loss of rights to participate as equal members of society after getting out. So... Anyway, I'm hoping that we take a page out of Canada's book in time as we see these opportunities come up and these folks uh, potentially begin to represent a population of rehabilitated citizens, some of whom perhaps become, uh, you know, advocates uh, for others and help us see what a difference it has made in their lives to receive that pardon and you know as we spoke of in last episode or the episode before i want to say massachusetts and one or two other states are looking at options for rehabilitating uh convicted offenders of just this sort in their respective states and i applaud those states for even looking at that right now um as a possibility and i hope it comes to pass there and everywhere else all across the United States Um, we continue to support the sentencing project we continue to support NORML, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws we continue to support anyone who's fighting that good fight wherever they may be so that's our MJ related news for the week And I hope everybody can take a little heart from that. I don't have news updates yet uh, this week on the California market. Um, Perhaps we'll spend some time on that next week. um, See how things are going down there. In their brand new legal recreational market. But I wish all of you the best, all my California friends and listeners. Can't wait to hear some firsthand reports from some of you as to how things are going, good, bad, or indifferent, with your legal recreational market down there. Are you in a county that's suddenly banned it, that used to be very cannabis-friendly? Are you in a county that formerly did not have access and is now gone, you know, full throttle? Uh, that would be really cool change of circumstance as well. Uh, please share that experience with us if you can uh, hit me up on any of the usual channels Instagram Facebook on the Facebook page email me talk to us at bakedandwake.com alright so yeah what did I say the uh, story was going to be let's smoke some weed smoke some blackberry cream The surveillance state and you and me. And why do I want to talk about this? Well, because we're talking. And that's what podcasts, that's what this podcast tries to do a little bit is grapple at times with 
like challenging subjects and subjects that are even more than challenging subjects that are uh, depressing subjects that you know the mind just shrinks away from you know when I say the surveillance state I mean we are talking we're talking 1984 you know I mean the the cliches that have been talked about by absolutely every educated and seasoned pundit out there most of whom probably have a better take on this than even I do um, but I'm going to do my best for you I'm going to share with you a couple of related stories I'm going to share with you at the conclusion a uh, show that you can also listen to next that's slightly related to all of it and you'll quickly see how and especially if you've never listened to the person who does that show before you may be introduced to a, another great outlet um, and, and one of those much more seasoned and much more intelligent and educated uh, pros than me uh, in the form of the podcaster who uh, covered the final story so <clears throat> but yeah so we you know we're gonna we, we talk about stuff that is hard to talk about and that when you think about it you just like want to you know how you put your fingers up over your eye and just like rub your eyeball and squish it into your head and like then like rub over your eyebrow and over to your temple and just rub that for a second and you're just like no fuck that shit I don't even want to talk about this bullshit yeah that's you know that's that's this stuff that's the surveillance state that's you know we're, that's why we have a little plastic adhesive uh, you know, blinder over our webcams on our computers or failing that, a post-it note um, stuck over them. Some people are, you know, uh, wise enough to do versions of that on their phones as well because we've known for years that certain folks can turn these things on and off either at times or all the time, at will. I mean, you know, some of these stories have been going around for six seven eight ten years now i mean as soon as internet connected smartphones became a thing they were exploited in different ways and the software that ran on them was exploited in different ways and those exploits have been perpetrated by private agencies and by government agencies of all forms and both foreign and domestic I'm not telling most of you anything new whatsoever. I don't need to give you a long list of those examples. They're abundant. They're out there. They go back years. They've been robustly documented in the mainstream media. Just about every major credit card company has been heavily hacked. Just about every major uh, social media platform has been opened up, backdoored, and sued into... Uh, sharing information in the form of many, many thousands of requests that increase every year from various government agencies, all of whom petition these companies separately <laughs> to access our information. And when I say our information, I'm talking about databases that contain virtually every American in the country, whether you think you have a small internet footprint or not, at this stage of the game, people have been collecting data on any operational adult in the country today for, you know, if you're an adult in your majority in North America, then they've got two plus decades of data and metadata on you, including the better part of two decades worth of you voluntarily updating their database daily from multiple different apps, all of which are almost custom designed to extract specific information out of you that is then stored, heavily analyzed, psychoanalyzed, some would say, because they are shrinking all of our heads respectively they being advertisers they being the architects of the platforms of the said extremely popular social media 
sites that we spend our time on. And those include sites like YouTube, and that includes communities like Snapchat, and it includes your Twitter. It includes, obviously, obviously the biggest database in the world, every post you've ever put out on Facebook. Anyone who's ever tried to disentangle themselves from Facebook knows how futile that proposition really is these days, and it's a big part of why I'm not totally gone from there either at this point in time. So anyway, that's a lot of preamble commentary to a story that I haven't even read you yet. So yeah, suffice to say, everything has been exploited, everything has been fiddled with at some level, going back years now. But let's just look at the latest story, the most recent up-to-date story that many of you may have seen as a little byline somewhere in the sidebar sidebars of your uh, news apps because it certainly isn't being billed as top news. So this came off a of motherboard, and that's a vice.com sort of um, blog thing that they have that I've seen before. Uh, it says here, to finally get to the story, the underlying layer in most secure messaging apps might not be so secure. So this story is about our secure messaging apps. Excuse me, and this is... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, no, this is... All right, this is my second story. We'll do them in this order. That's fine. We'll read about this, which is about our apps. Then we'll talk about the phones themselves, all right? Um, so, and this is like WhatsApp and uh, WeChat and Signal and Telegram and Messenger and all these different types of apps that you might use that are little disposable, quote-unquote, secure uh, apps. This is uh, written by Matthew Braga. And this goes back a little ways. This is November 12th, 2014. What do I have here, you guys? All right, you know what? Do, 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 do. Reviewing, reviewing, reviewing. I thought I. this is a different story than I wanted to tell you guys. I thought it was in support. It's a little bit out of date, and they're not really... Referencing, I mean, 2014, they're not even referencing a lot of those apps I was just talking about because those motherfuckers didn't exist yet. All right, sorry, you guys. That's, just, that's a Steve fail right there. We're going to go back to the other story, the way more uh, recent story that I did mean to start with in the first place. This one is off of Reuters. So, mainstream source. Getting our shit back together here and we're in 2018 all right and this is the one you might have seen recently as a little byline and it's not being reported as major news but as far as i'm concerned it is major news <clears throat> all right douglas busfine and Stephen nellis collaborated on this one and um, coming out of frankfurt and san francisco respectively Security researchers on Wednesday disclosed a set of security flaws that they said could let hackers steal sensitive information from nearly every modern computing device containing chips from Intel Corp, Advanced Micro Devices, a.k.a. AMD, and ARM Holdings. So if you aren't familiar with those three, uh, that's like every mobile chip in every console, game, laptop, tablet, mobile phone almost in the world. There's a few others like Motorola and a few others who have some chipsets, but you know, that's this is most of the market. <clears throat> One of the bugs is specific to Intel, but another affects laptops, desktop computers, smartphones, tablets, and internet servers alike. Intel and ARM insisted that the issue was not a design flaw, but it will require users to download a patch and update their operating system to fix. Phones, PCs, everything are going to have some impact. But it'll vary from product to product, Intel CEO Brian K. 
Kurzanich said in an interview with CNBC Wednesday afternoon. Researchers with Alphabet Inc.'s Google Project Zero, in conjunction with academic and industry researchers from several countries, discovered two flaws. Very interesting that Alpha Zero are the folks who discovered these flaws. Those of you who listened last week will recall that we talked about Alpha Zero. Um, or, yeah, the Alpha Zero AI, which is part of Project Zero. And it's chess playing prowess. Go back and check that out if you haven't listened to that yet. They continue the first, this is the first exploit, the first vulnerability in the chips, called Meltdown. Sounds great. Affects Intel chips and lets hackers bypass the hardware barrier between applications run by users and the computer's memory. This potentially lets hackers read a computer's memory and steal passwords. The second, called Spectre, equally ominous name. It's almost like they're fucking marketing these things to you. It affects chips from Intel, AMD, and ARM and lets hackers potentially trick otherwise error-free applications into giving up secret information. Sounds fucking insidious. The researchers said Apple Inc. and Microsoft Corp. had patches ready for users for desktop computers affected by Meltdown. Microsoft declined to comment, and Apple did not immediately return requests for comment. Daniel Gruss, one of the researchers at Graz University of Technology who discovered Meltdown, called it, quote, probably one of the worst CPU bugs ever found in an interview with Reuters. Gruss said Meltdown was the more serious problem in the short term, but could be decisively stopped with software patches. Spectre, the broader bug that applies to nearly all computing devices, is harder for hackers to take advantage of, but less easily patched, and will be a bigger problem in the long term, he said. <laughs> harder for hackers to take advantage of. Interesting. Um, I imagine they'll figure that out pretty quickly. It's profitable enough. Speaking on CNBC, Intel's Kurzanich said Google researchers told, in, told Intel of the flaws, quote, a while ago. <laughs> Fuckers. And that Intel had been testing fixes that device makers who use its chips will push out next week. Before the problems became public, Google on its blog said Intel and others planned to disclose the issues on January 9th. Google said it informed the affected companies about the Spectre flaw on June 1st, 2017 and reported the meltdown flaw after the first flaw but before July 28th, 2017. Of course, we're reading about it in January. I, maybe there's been a story or two about this already. Um, the flaws were first reported by... Okay, well, <laughs> keep reading, Steve. The flaws were per first reported by tech publication The Register... It also reported that the updates to fix the problems could cause Intel chips to operate 5% to 30% more slowly. They have a link to that story embedded here. Intel denied that the patches would bog down computers based on Intel chips. So, basically, next is a few paragraphs about these guys doing their best to spin this and tell us that they're mitigating it and handling it, you know, and nobody has anything to worry about. Uh, let's see. Yeah, AMD spokesman says patches had already been shared with the company's partners which include many smartphone manufacturers, so hopefully those patches are things that can be like OTA pushed down to most phones. Uh, this method only works for a certain type of malicious code, is already running on a device, and could at worst result in small pieces of a data being accessed from privileged memory. Okay, so there's him, you know, saying that it's not as bad as you'd think. Yeah, well, it's not his data. AMD chips are also affected by at least one variant of a set of security flaws, but that it can be patched with a software update there again. The company said it believes there is near zero risk to AMD products at this time. <laughs> oh, shit. Hmm. Sip of water. Something caught in my throat. Google said in a blog post that Android phones running the latest security updates are protected, as are its own Nexus and Pixel phones with the latest security updates. So, all you Pixel kids, you guys are safe. Probably. Until they find the next 
exploit. Gmail users do not need to take any additional action to protect themselves, but users of its Chromebooks, oops, that's me, Chrome web browser, and many of its Google Cloud services will need to install updates. Well, these things update themselves, so I would think that that's, although it's showing me that it's ready for updates right now. Nice. <laughs> um... Amazon Web Services, a cloud computing service used by businesses, yeah, AWS, uh, said that most of its internet servers were already patched and the rest were in the process of being patched. The defect affects the so-called kernel memory on an Intel x86 processor chips manufactured over the past decade. The register reported citing unnamed programmers allowing users of normal applications to discern the layout for content of unprotected areas on the chips. Sounds like Greek right now. They could make it possible for hackers to exploit other security bugs or worse, expose secure information, there we go, such as passwords, thus compromising the individual computers or even entire server networks. All right, that sounds really bad. Dan Guido, chief executive of cybersecurity consulting firm Trail of Bits, said that businesses should quickly move to update vulnerable systems, saying he expects hackers to quickly develop code they can use to launch Attacks that exploit the vulnerabilities. Exploit for these bugs will be added to hackers' standard toolkits, said Guido. Guido and I agree on that front. No exploit will be left unleveraged. Shares in Intel were down by 3.4% following the report, but nudged back up 1.2% to $44.70 in after-hours trading. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck you guys. It was not immediately clear whether Intel would face any significant financial liability arising from the reported flaw. They conclude, the current Intel problem, if true, would likely not require CPU replacement, in our opinion. However, the situation is fluid, Hans Mosserman of Rosenblatt Securities in New York said in a note, adding, it could hurt the company's reputation. Again, they couldn't use more bland language. They couldn't you know, try to make that sound like less of a big deal. But it sounds like a pretty big deal to me. And it's just the latest in a long line of, you know, these kind of challenges that we are continuously faced with as long as we require, you know, the the use and convenience of these admittedly amazing devices, namely our mobile smartphones, tablets, etc. And like I said at the beginning there, heavy sigh, it's just what are you doing? What do you do? What can any of us do? These solutions are engineered strongly as robustly as we can think of and they're still full of holes full of vulnerabilities and those are the ones that aren't engineered in that we don't even get to know about so anyway link to the stories in the show notes and that's that one so yeah, and it is. It's getting more depressing as we go because the next story is terrible too. And maybe you know about this one. I know you've seen a little note about it because it's getting pushed down to everybody's phones like we were just talking about, our lovely phones. I am back at Motherboard. Um, and this is, again, a new story, 2018. Related to our surveillance state theme, the Senate just voted to expand the warrantless surveillance of U.S. citizens. Yeah, I gotta smoke some more weed. I gotta smoke some more, you guys. Come on. <sighs> they got me all up in my feelings over this. I'm so fucking tired of this shit. It's like it's our new normal and we just we just get more and more used to it and more and more used to it. So this just happened. 
like I said the other day. Um, he's reporting on it on the 18th, two-day-old story, Daniel Oberhaus. The subtitle here says, Once Trump signs the bill into law, U.S. intelligence agencies will be able to spy on the electronic communications of Americans with an overseas contact without a warrant. So, that includes so many people. I mean, I am definitely included in that population. I have friends and family overseas in several different countries, and I bet you half of everybody sitting here listening to my words, whether it's today or at any point in the future, I bet 50% of everybody who ever listens to this podcast can say the same. I mean, this is, this is wild. We're packing and reading and talking all at the same time here, so deal, you know, work with me here, everybody. Forgive me if you hear some clunking and thumping. Ay, ay, ay. Um. says here on Thursday afternoon the US Senate voted in favor of the FISA amendments reauthorization act of 2017 a bill that will expand the warrantless surveillance of US citizens the bill passed by a vote of 65 to 34 43 republicans and 21 fucking spineless democrats voting in its favor Excuse me, that you can tell a little bit of my own. Like I said, my own feelings are all over this story and this whole theme today. I apologize, but I mean, come on. They go on. The bill will now go to the White House to be signed into law by President Trump. It reauthorizes FISA Section 702 until 2024. The bill was discussed Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon in the Senate bipartisan group of five senators led by Republican Rand Paul and Democrat Ron Wyden attempted to filibuster the bill in order to foster actual debate about its implications. Okay, well, good job, you guys. The filibuster lasted only two and a half hours. Weak job, you guys. However, after the Senate voted by a narrow margin to limit the debate to just 30 hours. The FISA Amendment Reauthorization Act of 2017 passed by the Senate is nearly identical to a bill of the same name that was passed by the House of Representatives last week. It deals with the reauthorization of Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, an amendment enacted in 2008 that allows U.S. intelligence agencies to spy on foreigners without a warrant. So now they're going to spy on you, too, because you have an auntie in Europe somewhere or in some country that perhaps is, I don't know, a little browner, than that and a little bit more of interest to whatever agency is leveraging that profiling to request a warrantless search. How does that work? If it's a warrantless search, do they even have to request? Who do they request it to? Do they, what do they get? A light note of permission instead? I don't know. We'll see what they, maybe they tell us here a little bit more about what this means. The problem, however, is that Section 702 has also been abused to spy on American citizens without a warrant. This is the result of two loopholes known as backdoor search and about collection. With backdoor search... Intelligence agencies can monitor the communications of any American that has been in touch with any foreigner the agency deems a target. About collection allows intelligence agencies to monitor the electronic communications of any American that mentions information such as a phone number or email address about a foreign target even if they've never communicated with that foreigner. So again, that's every fucking body. If you typed the email address into a address bar and sent an email, if you saved the email to your contacts, probably, for all we know, if you're friends on Facebook, if you've messaged each other, 
members of groups together. It uh, yeah. I mean, this is this is so easy. This is so easy for them to to just run roughshod. Okay, so they go on here. The practice of a bout collection was voluntarily abandoned by the NSA in early 27. Excuse me, early 2017 after it came under increasing scrutiny by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. The bills passed by the House and Senate, soon to become law, will effectively reverse the NSA's decision and codify the practices of about collection. So they're just going right back, going right back for it. They're like, no, no, we really like it. We like to do it. So we're going to do it. <clears throat> so it's a little lighthearted. Prior to the Senate vote in favor of this bill, Senators Paul and Wyden co-sponsored an alternative FISA reauthorization bill called the USA Rights Act. This version would officially make about collection illegal, require a warrant for backdoor searches, and require strict oversight of intelligence agencies by an independent agency. It was widely supported by civil rights groups, but was never able to be debated on the Senate floor. Because, of course, we are not fucking about that shit around here, folks. No. No, sir. Once President Trump signs the bill into law, the warrantless mass surveillance of U.S. citizens in contact with foreigners will be legal until it is time to reauthorization the FISA amendments in six years. So... Look forward to that. Okay. Yep. Um, so, all right, I don't have a story written about this or a story to read. I want to um, urge and implore all of my listeners who have an interest in Bitcoin, altcoin, cryptocurrencies in general digital currencies blockchain technology if you understand half of those words and want to understand the other half if you think you have a vague idea of what all of them mean but sometimes conflate for example bitcoin and blockchain easy to do these are buzzwords of the worst sort it's jargon of the most exclusive kind it's really tough to keep up on right now but it is coming down the pipe every single day and it is not to be ignored um, I'd like to recommend that you check out a podcast from James Corbett who produces a show called The Corbett Report. And I think I have referenced him here and there before or mentioned him. This podcast episode that I'm going to leave you the link for in the show notes is called The Bitcoin PSYOP. In it, uh, Corbett really lucidly breaks down and explains the sort of... the. Uh, I'm totally choking as I'm trying to get us a song here. There we go. And I don't know. We might have already played that one. We're going to go with it, though. <laughs> uh, Corbett breaks down all those terms, okay? He breaks down Bitcoin and crypto. He really talks about some of us might be uh, we have reservations about crypto because you look at it and say this thing is ripe for the plucking by whether it is the Fed or the World Bank or uh, some combination of the two. Um, it could be manipulated. It could be tanked. Um, it could be, you know, just just totally upended somehow in, in ways that we don't even understand yet. Uh, it could also just be infiltrated and sneakily taken over 
and turned into another version of business as usual, which is, you know, one of the biggest threats that could happen to blockchain technology and cryptocurrency as a concept. Uh, on the other hand, it is intensely fascinating and exciting to uh, look into and consider the possibilities that a anonymized, decentralized method of verifying transactions and building faith between parties uh, that allows for forthright and robust commerce uh, all across the world, uh, you know, blockchain and uh, cryptocurrencies such as the brand, if you would, can call it that fairly, Bitcoin and other uh, alternatives, and that's where the, the term altcoin comes from, um, whether that is Litecoin or Ripple or any of the many others that exist out there that are very popular, you know, in varying levels of popular, each of which has different attributes. Uh, the Corbett Report is a incredibly sharp podcast in general, and uh, I'm doing a horrible, garbled job of recommending the Bitcoin PSYOP. I want to continue the cryptocurrency conversation, though, and without plagiarizing Mr. Corbett's work directly, I urge those of you who are interested in that topic to go and check out the recent episode, the Bitcoin PSYOP. Link will be in the show notes, and we will you know, reflect and continue to visit on that topic and what cryptocurrencies mean to all of us um, ongoing here on the podcast. So, all right. It's about three minutes to an hour here, and... We've wrapped it up. I had one dud of a story there from fucking 2014, so let's just pretend that didn't happen, and we'll just, you know, should edit that out, but you know I'm not gonna. Um, the surveillance state is a real thing. I don't have any solutions for us today. Uh, I continue to use that really cool plug-in ghostery on my um, Chrome web browser that is uh, nuking cookies left, right, and center and stopping trackers from chasing me around the web, and that feels nice. Um, I use a shitty free VPN right now that is probably total bullshit and, and not protecting me from anything. Uh, so that's an interesting uh, matter of, you know, Internet best practices and security that I'd love to talk to anybody about uh, moving forward. Uh, who may have some suggestions for that for a reasonable cost paid VPN, I guess, potentially. Um, something along those lines. Um, yeah. You know, just it's a struggle every day to feel like you can use this stuff without continually just getting bent over by it at the exact same time. And I don't think any of us is winning the battle of that right now. But anyway, wrapping it up wanted to close with a uh, quick mention of a podcast of the week uh, that I am really enjoying, and I listened to uh, episode three of this podcast last night. This is the SeshCast podcast, and uh, my friend Goldilocks is back on the East Coast, and he hosts uh, what I characterize as a, a chilled-out, intelligent, and unpushy podcast, um, where he basically he provides company and leans on you for the same while he sessions and reflects both on the weed that he's smoking at the moment and the task at hand which as I alluded to is connecting with you the listener so um, really fun uh, really chill um, I know he's going places with this uh, he enjoys his flower and he's got some great stuff to say about that of course as well so uh, if you're looking for another podcaster to smoke a bowl with from time to time and hear some different stories uh, from a different point of view check out Goldilocks and the SeshCast podcast the link will be here in the show notes for you as always uh, our royalty free music was provided by Auntie Luode of SoundCloud and uh, we always appreciate that as our little backdrop 
to our commentary. Still working on our landmark forum related episode, which will be the guiding topic of, I want to say, next week's episode. Um, I think I'm going to hear from a friend of mine from Instagram on their recent experience uh, at the Landmark Forum. So um, hopefully we'll get to share some reflections of theirs from that experience as well. I also went through it a few years back, um, and uh, it's an interesting organization and an interesting weekend retreat program, and I hope we'll make for a very interesting uh, podcast episode. But we've hit our hour and I'm happy with what we got through today. Looking forward to that landmark forum episode coming up in just a few days. Everybody, have a great remainder of your weekend. Have a powerful and productive week. Everywhere you go, every single day, smoke indica. Do shit anyway.